Hello, and what is up, everybody? It's me, Marty the Meatman, your host of Cross Court Coverage, your all NBA Celtics focused podcast. Uh, proudly brought to you by Primetime Productions. You can find them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, and then on all the other social medias, when you go to the Twitter, we'll f- you'll find the links to the other things because I can't remember the ads and everything, but that's where they are. Um, <clears throat> interesting week, as always, in the NBA. It's a grown man soap opera, so it's never not an interesting week. Um, but we're going to do our due diligence to cover it all and talk about it all with you here today. Um, and also, this whole just me talking to you thing, uh, that might be coming to an end. I'm not going to allude to anything just yet, but we are in contract talks. And by contract talks, I just mean I have had conversations and uh, believe that I have a co-host lined up. Um, which is very exciting. A new co-host lined up. Um, it's very exciting. Um, I miss the back and forth. Um, not that I don't miss, not that I don't enjoy just bringing you the news. Um, but you know, it's better to just have someone else's voice in your head besides mine. And I know that. Um, so we will be having a new co-host, I think starting next week, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, uh, no, no, no clues. No, uh, no heads up or anything like that, but you'll 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 know. Larry, Larry will do some social mediaing or something and give you some Easter eggs or give you a drop. Um, soon enough. Uh, as for news in the NBA, we'll start as always with injuries. The injury report. Um, First on the list is Tyrese Halliburton, uh, out for around two weeks. They'll evaluate him again. Uh, he did a split in the game against the Celtics and definitely tweaked something. Um, I don't remember exactly what the uh, injury is. It looked like a groin injury, but he will be evaluated in two weeks, so hopefully he has a speedy recovery because, uh, honestly, the game's better with Halliburton in it. Um, the Pacers are better with Halliburton. Um, and the kid's just a baller. Um, I, I have nothing against Therese Halliburton. I kind of love playing against him and watching him play. Uh, he's got a high motor, high skill, like just an all around baller. Um, sucks that he's hurt. Can't, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery. I know, uh, me and Ian Kennedy, uh, shout out to the, uh, Indie Bleeds Blue podcast. Ian Kennedy is a big Halliburton fan and, uh, he would like to see him back soon. Uh, I know he was at the game the other day and unfortunately missed him, but Hallie will be back soon. And the Pacers are already kicking ass and taking names. They're hanging out at fourth in the East. So they're in a good position. They have a little bit of room to, you know, drop a couple if they have to, or if they do while he's gone. Um, The next injury on the list Actually, the next two injuries on the list are kind of detrimental to their teams. Uh, Ja Morant, after serving his 25-game suspension, after coming back to the league, after lighting the fucking league on fire with a vengeance tour that we haven't seen since, like, the likes of Tom Brady. Uh, Unfortunately, 
tore something in his labrum. He has to have season-ending sur season surgery. Um, it's a huge blow to the Grizzlies, who basically were treading water and near the bottom of the West without him. Um, started winning games when he came back, and now he's hurt again and out for the rest of the season. Stephen Adams is out for the rest of the season. Um, and Marcus Smart just dislocated his finger. Uh, I think it was the game after Ja left and, you know, eventually was ruled out. Uh, the next game, Marcus Smart was doing Marcus Smart things, going balls to the wall all over the court. And, you know, Grizzly fans, you got a gamer in Marcus Smart. But unfortunately, sometimes when you have a gamer, uh, things happen. Uh, Marcus dislocated his finger. Um, in the game, he kept playing, which was crazy. You saw him shoot three, splash it, and then put his hand up celebrating. And his finger, one finger was going the exact opposite way the rest of the hand was going. Um, so that was clearly going to be on the injury report the next day. Um, they're giving him a timetable of around six weeks to come back. But even with that, you have Ja out for the rest of the season. You have Stephen A out for, or Stephen A, Stephen Adams. It is a Stephen A, but it's not the Stephen A. Stephen Adams uh, out for the rest of the season. Uh, Marcus hurt again for in a lengthy period of time. It is not Grizzly season. Y'all have to pack it in. You have to sell some assets. You have to get some draft capital. You just have to accept that this is a down year, uh, unfortunately. It did not help with the jaw suspension, which we all know was bullshit. It did not help with having Stephen A ruled out at the beginning of the season. Stephen Adams keeps doing it. <laughs> uh, Stephen Adams at the beginning of the season. And, you know, these two, this is, you know, Marcus's second lengthy injury. It the, It's not in the cards. The, the tea leaves are not reading well for the Grizzlies. Um, it's draft time. It's time to start looking at that draft board. It's time to start looking at the prospects ahead. Like, I get it. You don't want to, you know, play the season – in, in a folding fashion, you don't want to give up early. You don't want to say, hey, like, we still have a chance, like, and, and then not play. But it's pretty clear to me and probably to the Grizzlies themselves that it, this is not going to happen this year. Uh, they have been bitten by the injury bug. They have been they, – they smashed a mirror in the offseason or something. I don't know. They walked under ladders. Like, it is not their <laughs> – it is not their season. Um which is a shame because I know at the beginning of the year, me and a whole bunch of other people who cover the sport, you know, expected good things and great things from the Grizzlies. Um, but, you know, a year off, it doesn't mean that anything bad uh, is going to happen to this roster or that, you know, they're not suited to, you know, heal up and be better for next year. Um, I still think that they're a powerhouse. I still think they have a great roster. I just think that, with the injuries they have, it makes it a lot harder for them to win games. Uh, you know, Desmond Bain can't be the only one scoring. Jaron Jackson is very clearly just a defensive guy um, and can't be leaned on as, like, a second option. And, you know, it is what it is. It, when your team composition gets all shook up and everything like that, like, it is a hard, you know, bullet to bite. But they have to, if they're smart, you know, realize – all right, well, Detroit sucks. The Spurs 
kind of suck and the wizards kind of suck and then and then there's us um so they should be aiming for a top five pick um not saying throw games but you know if you realize that a game is out of reach maybe put your second teamers in or maybe put your third teamers in or call up some guys from the g league and get them some minutes in the nba like you have a, a strategy to go forward here with um kind of just poising yourself for a better next year uh what other injuries do we have uh jacob portal of the raptors is out indefinitely uh another team that's kind of just treading water in the nba uh they traded og to the knicks we talked about it last week they're looking to trade siakam anywhere um they're in rebuild they're trying to figure out not, not like an active rebuild i don't think that they're going to be like terrible but like one of those rebuilds where you're trying to swap pieces and see at the end of moving all these pieces okay are we a team that needs to draft and build or have we restructured the team to something that is going to be a playoff push and i think that it's going to be more of a let's trade siakam and build a team around emmanuel quickly rj barrett and whomever else they can get um and then build from the draft from there but it's interesting. It's it's also like what three, four years four years removed since they won a title and now they're almost in a complete rebuild. It's that's the Kawhi effect. When Kawhi shows up and then leaves, uh kind of leaves this giant void on your team that uh can't really be filled. Uh Fred Van Fleet left is over in Houston. Uh Gary Trent is still there. Um, yeah, he's still there, but you know, they have a couple of big names that have gone or parted ways with the organization, uh, and they're meddling. They're, they're just literally a team that's, you know, not at the bottom, not at the top hanging out. Um, and I feel like that's the worst place to be in the NBA. You either want to be bad or you want to be good. Um, you don't want to be right there in the middle where you get a shitty draft pick, but you also don't go to the playoffs. Like you don't there's nothing to gain from that like at all um but i don't cheer for the raptors i don't lose sleep over the raptors so they can figure it out on their own um another quote-unquote injury uh joel Embiid missed another game uh injury management load management you know time off whatever you want to call it but uh my favorite part of this is that we are on a joel Embiid mvp disqualification watch if he sits or is injured or misses eight more games he is disqualified for the mvp race which would just be the most amazing thing in the world to me um they passed the rules i believe this offseason that you need to play at least 65 games to be qualified for any of the major awards um i know there was a lot of pushback on that because so many teams love to uh load manage and blah 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 but as a as a fan who hates load management and as a fan of a team who really doesn't load manage all that much i mean like yes kp gets a game off here and there and al gets a game off here and there but like jb and jt are playing whenever they can play Derek white doesn't miss a game unless he's having a child um I don't know that Drew Holiday has missed any, if not many, games. 
uh, this season. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't sit guys for the sake of sitting guys or giving them a night off. Like this is we understand as I think Joe understands that this is a job. This is you know you have 82 games to show up and you know do your job, and then hopefully you have more games after that because you did your job really well. Um, but you know this was a move to kind of counter the whole load management era, the whole you know some kid goes to the arena to see his favorite player and his favorite player isn't even there or isn't even playing. Um, and I, and I was very much for this rule, but to see it, to see it come to fruition and to see it basically, um, lining up to snuff one of my least favorite players in the league to see it line up and possibly take away MVP chances for Joel Embiid. Like that is just icing on the cake like cherry on top well done adam silver you finally got a rule right you finally figured something out and also it's going to be hilarious where the reigning mvp who shouldn't have been mvp uh has a chance to you know just be completely discredited and disqualified from the conversation would be just chef's kiss that's like all i could i could explain it as is just like poetic justice, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know many other players that are nearing that or um, are heavily considered to be uh, close to DQ. But like, it's mainly to be brought up about Joel Embiid because he is leading the MVP race still. Um, it's Joel, then Nokic, uh, and then or Jokic. Wow, I don't know who Nokic is uh nikola jokic slammed his name together um and then sga uh at one two three it's been that way for about two weeks right now um but to see just the whole race lose a top contender and everyone slide up one spot would be hilarious i know joel will throw a fit i know the sixers will throw a fit i know twitter will implode um so i'm just sitting here waiting for chaos excitedly um Let's see. What other news did we have this week? Um, Mr. Eric Spolstra, Miami Heat. I mean, I, honestly, you can call him a legend at this point. Multiple championships, been coaching there forever. Great story of success. Uh, came up from being a video coordinator or like a roll the tape kind of guy within the organization and now has become head coach for so many years. Coach LeBron, Coach Dwayne, Coach Chris Bosch, uh, has had had Jimmy for these extended years, Tyler Hero. Like he's got names underneath his repertoire. Uh and you know, he just got extended uh to I believe two years, but that's if he um, but the extension makes him one of the highest paid coaches on record. And as much as I hate the heat, as much as I don't enjoy talking about the heat, as much as I have to deal with it every time that I talk about basketball with my brother, because he is a heat fan, uh, and he loves to just try and shove it in my face. Uh, Spolster is a great guy. Spolster is great for the sport. Spolster is a great coach. Um, a great success story. You know, I have no ill will against Eric Spolstra. Uh, I think that he leads a good unit. We've seen it, you know, turn into Larry O'Brien trophies. So obviously the guy knows what he's doing. He deserves that. And he's also one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA right now. I think it's like him, Pop, uh, I don't 
I don't know anyone else that touches them in years. Like, I don't know anyone else that they've been doing it for at least a decade plus. I mean, pop, obviously more than that, but pop's pop. Um, but, you know, shout out Eric Spolstra. Props to him. Congratulations on a big fat contract. Um, I'm not saying I'd work for the, the uh, Miami Heat, but if you want to kick back some uh, residuals, I could be. I could sit at the end of the bench, you know, Spell. Like we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, you stole Ray Allen from the Celtics. You can't steal the Meat Man from the Celtics. I ain't even gonna consider it. I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. Also, Kawhi Leonard signed a three-year, one hundred fifty-two point four million dollar extension. Uh, the geriatric Clippers have guaranteed to stay geriatric for at least another three years. Um, yeah, I mean, do I get it? Sure. Is this what it costs for an all-star caliber player? Yeah, we saw that with JB. We've seen that with Anthony Davis. We've seen that with, you know, any of these recent contract extensions. But Kawhi is literally the definition of load management, is literally the definition of I'll play when I play and I won't when I won't. Um you know, they've navigated the PPP rule this year quite well. So they haven't, you know, sat him as much probably as they'd like to. But it's just interesting to see him get the, you know, full $152 million over three years. Like you're getting just about $50 million a year uh, for the next three years. And you're a guy who doesn't necessarily play every game, who isn't necessarily – as good as they used to be. I'm not going to knock Kawhi. I'm not going to say that he's not good because he is. But you look at Toronto Kawhi versus Kawhi right now on the Clippers. It's not the same guy. There's there's shadows of you know who he was and everything like that. But um, three years. I mean, how old is Kawhi Leonard right now? We got him at I want to guess like 32. Kawhi Leonard is, yep, 32 years old. Wow, I nailed that. Um, and the other thing is, is that with this conversation that they had with Kawhi and the extension, they are now in, you know, deep contract talks with Paul George to extend him. Um, those haven't come to fruition yet, but that's another 33-year-old guy uh, that I assume is going to get a similar contract. So you're looking at tying up a lot of your cap space in a 33 and 32 year old for the next three get plus or minus depending on paul george's contract years um that's locking in your geriatric tag like i mean like they don't care if they can win a championship then great i mean they've been on the up and up they're uh hanging out at fourth in the west like they were dog water in the beginning of the season they couldn't get a win. Uh, then Russell Westbrook goes to the bench and plays a six-man, and they start figuring some things out. James Harden comes over. They start figuring some things out. James Harden's now, like, you know, really ingrained in their system and, you know, balling. And somehow it's working. You know, they're, they're winning games. Um, but betting all that money on aging out veterans, it's risky. 
I'm not going to say that it's a bad move because obviously they're winning games and everything like that, but you don't know what next year or the year after that or the year after that will bring with someone in their, you know, early thirties. I'm not saying that they're going to fall off a cliff. I'm not going to say that their talent will not keep up or that it will not um, transcend through the next three years, but there's a chance, you know, every, every player at some point hits a wall. Every player at some point, quote unquote, falls off that Max Kellerman cliff. Um, but I don't know. They bet on it. They're they're you're going forward with you know the core that they have, and they're leaning into it. And you know, good for them. Right now, it's working. We'll see what it looks like at the end of the season, and then going into the next three years with Kawhi. Um, I do think that they get the extension with Paul George done. I don't know anyone else in the league that's going to be offering Paul George any of that kind of money. So he should be uh, aware of that and, you know, prevy to that information and be like, all right, well, Clippers are probably going to offer me the most lucrative contract. And as of right now at, at fourth in the West, it's a pretty good shot at a championship. So I don't know why you would leave that. Um, but, you know, it's fuck LA in this house. So I, I don't need to keep talking about the Clippers. Really? I don't. It's almost too much time that we spent here on them. Um, what we do need to talk about are these Boston Celtics. Uh, currently sitting at 30 and 9. Uh, one last night. And I know that personally because I was there. Actually, if I look out my window right now, I'm staring at TD Garden, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but at the beginning of the week, we dropped the game. We lost to the Pacers. That's the game that, uh, Halliburton got hurt, but it was a close one. We, you know, battled it out. It ended up being a loss. We had 131. They had 133. Um, I mean, no real notes. Everyone played hard. Everyone played great. Um, it was a tough game and the Pacers are a good team. And there's, when you play a good team, all you want to see is that you, keep up and uh, continue to uh, push and not quit. And we didn't fold. We were down by two. There was some really, really questionable whistling at the end, unfortunately, um, which kind of ruined a great game. Uh, there was a foul called on uh, – no, a no foul called. That's what it was. It was called a foul. I can't remember the timetable, but it, anyways, JB was fouled. He got hit in the head. Uh, Buddy Heald admitted to it to Joe Missoula, uh on like one of the final shots of the game. And they called it a block instead of calling it a foul. Uh, you're not allowed to hit people in the head, even if you touch the ball. That's just how the rules work, but whatever. Um so that kind of screwed our chances. And then going down to the other end, KP goes up and, you know, gets his feet set, squares up, goes straight up in the air and blocks the ball. But he gets whistled instead. So it's like, okay, so we get the no whistle, but they get the whistle and throw the game kind of at the end. And that's what I hate to see. And I think a lot of people have been complaining about it recently. Um, it's just seeing the refs throw the game. When a game's good, when a game's so back and forth like that, like let the guys just play. Call it as you see it, um, sure, but 
I don't know. It you can't have a close game decided by whistles, and that's what ruins this NBA product, and that's what Adam Silver keeps failing to address, just continues to keep ignoring is that um the officiating in the NBA is ass right now. It is not good. I mean, uh the Raptors coach just got fined twenty-five thousand for talking about the officiating. Um the Celtics are a little more savvy when talking about officiating they find their ways to say it without saying it um as not to get fined but you know i wouldn't even care i think that every celtics player and every celtics fan would have a gofundme like bank account just to say fuck you to these refs almost day in and day out because it is to the point where you can't play a basketball game without worrying about the refs tampering with the the, the quality of the product like you know it just seems like one they're not getting the right whistles which is annoying um that is literally your only job is to know the rules and get them right um too but also these these technical fouls and these these you know emotional whistles and players can't advocate for themselves on the court or um, you know, it's a dick measuring contest. So like, oh, you yelled at me, but I'm the rest. So I'm going to tee you up. Like, I, pfft, dude, I can't, I can't keep up with that. You know, it's not good at all for the NBA. I don't know why Adam Silver isn't holding his refs to a higher degree. I know they get graded. Um, I know they get assessed, you know, they have the L the last two minute report. Um, and basically I don't understand the point of the last two minute report because it basically is a, hey, we fucked up, but it doesn't change anything. It is the most infuriating thing to read. Um, and that's what happened. You know, after the Pacers game, we waited till five the next day to see what the NBA had to say about it. Um, they continued to agree with the refs, which I do not understand that there was uh, incidental non-sequential contact with Jalen Brown. Um, but they did admit that the whistle on KP was wrong. And it's like, okay, so like you're wrong about the JB thing. I don't know why you can't understand that hitting someone in the head, whether you get the ball or not, it's just not allowed. Um, it's very clearly a, a rule in this game. Um, but to, go out and say, oh, yeah, we whistled KP and it shouldn't have been a whistle. Okay, those two foul shots, um, we lost 131 to 133. Those are those two foul shots. So, like, fuck you, Silver, and fuck you, refs, and, like, figure it out, dude. Like, you can't be throwing games. You can't be changing games. You can't be changing standings because you guys can't get it right. Um, I don't know the solution. Uh, maybe, like, a third-party arbitration or a third-party, like, grading system. Um you know, really hold these guys accountable, guys and gals. Um, these refs need to be held accountable. Um, it just feels like, oh, I fucked up. Oh, well. And then they go on to ref the next game or they go on to ref in the playoffs. And it's like, but you blew that call in the last 30 seconds and changed the whole course of a game. You should not be allowed to ref. You should not be allowed to, you know, it shouldn't be decision-making in the game. The game should decide itself. The the way the players are playing, the way the game and the momentum and the flow and everything is going, that should decide itself. When it comes down to whistles changing everything, then then we're losing the game. Then we're losing the product. Then we're losing the quality of everything. And you know, I understand the need for refs. I understand the need to, you know, blow whistles and everything like that. But if you're going to get it wrong, then 
what are we fucking doing here? Like, let the, let, let's play some street ball rules and be like, call your own fouls. Will it be annoying? Sure, but we'll figure it out. Um, anyways, next game that the Celtics play. So we lost to the Pacers. Um, then we played the Wolves, and my God, was that a game. Um, you know, up some, down some, up, down, all around, uh, battling back and forth all game. Uh, had a pretty pretty big hole to climb out of, I think, around the third quarter. Um and then Tatum came alive in the fourth and the overtime. So we went to overtime, um, ended up winning 127 to 120. Um, great all-around game. Uh, did not help the Wolves that J-Mac uh, fouled out. I, I know that for a fact. You know, the kid's a good defender. Um, definitely could have helped Ant and Rudy and Cat with, uh, you know, I mean, we have a... <coughs> roster of starters and clear, uh, currently a roster of all-stars um to cover it is it is not an easy task for another team to come in here um or for us to go in there wherever you know it may be um but they were at our home uh in the garden so it's not easy for a team to come in here and uh really guard everyone from one through five and six. Um, I know that uh, KP sat that game, um, which was an interesting choice, but it ended up working out for us. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a great game. What can I say besides, you know, hats off to the Wolves for competing. Hats off to the Celtics for surviving that game. Um, it would be a great finals. I'm not going to lie. The, we've played two games against them, and we've gone to overtime both times. They won one. We won one. Like, it's gritty. Those games are close. They're high-intensity, high-caliber, you know, caliber, good basketball games. And it's just fun to watch two juggernauts really sling it out. Um, and the Wolves are at the top of their division, or conference, I should say, and we're at the top of our conference. It's lining up for a chance for it to be the finals. Um, and from what I've seen from the two matchups that we've had this year, I would love that. I mean, it would be a gritty, a probably seven game series. Um, but it would be a good one. It would be high quality basketball. It would be great to watch. Um, you know, you get the young guy and Ant, and then the still young Jalen and JT, um, trying to lead their squads and, you know, that would be great NBA stories all around. Um, but after, you know, overtime thriller, everyone putting all their effort in, we had the Bucks on a back-to-back -back the very next night in Milwaukee. So not only did we have to go to overtime, but we also had to travel. Um, yes, I'm making excuses, but we lost to the Bucks. Uh what can I chalk this up as tired legs? Um, you know, they started hot. We started cold. Uh, Al was sitting because it's a back-to-back. -back. KP was the only one with fresh legs. It is what it is. I mean, you're going to lose some games like this. It's just one of those things where scheduling kind of screws you. 
Uh, we pulled our starters in the second half. Like we knew, I mean, Joe knew like the, the writing was on the wall. We're like, okay, we're not going to take this one away. We are down by 40 for since midway into the second. Um, and that happens sometimes in the NBA. I know like Bucks Twitter and everything like that. were trying to chirp us and I get it. We all talk shit back and forth to each residual community and uh, residual team or that's not the right word, but whatever uh respective team and community but um it's one of those games where like i don't care i didn't lose any sleep about it i didn't like bat an eye about it i saw what was happening i assessed it and was like okay well it makes sense like these guys are dog tired they just traveled from boston to milwaukee um and they have to travel back for the friday game like or the saturday game like Obviously, there wasn't as much heart in that game or as much push to, you know, really, what are you going to do? You're going to exhaust yourself again and then, you know, risk injury or anything like that? Like, no. The, the Bucks were coming off one or two days of rest. We were coming off the end of a back-to-back -back where we went to overtime playing against the best team in the West. Like, okay, we lost. Like, I move on next next game on the schedule there was nothing to talk about uh really analytically i know the bucks are like oh we we dethroned the celtics one bitches we are still atop you in the conference ranking so let's not forget that you beat us we didn't move we're still one you're still looking at our asses from number two you're still behind us so good job like i don't give a fuck um, but you know, Bucks fans are gonna be Bucks fans. Um, yeah, and then last night's game, as I look to my left again, staring at TD Garden, where I spent my night last night, uh, it was the return of Ime Udoka to TD Garden, and not that. Ime could hear me or see me. Well, he could have probably seen me, but uh, no, he didn't hear me. I spent the whole game just screaming his name, trying to get his attention. I just wanted to have a conversation. But the best part about it was we stomped his Rockets. You know, the Rockets that at the beginning of the season were a winning team and now are a 500 team. Uh, you know, at the, the Ime Udoka team that... Uh, Everyone says, wow, look at them. The Celtics should have kept Ime. The Ime Adoka who couldn't keep his dick in his pants and, you know, blew his opportunity to continue to coach some of the best players in the NBA. The same Ime Adoka um, who has no remorse for the whole fucking situation. Um, he feels like he was cheated or done wrong in the situation. Bro, bro, bro. Like, it came down to you chose to get some over keeping an NBA coaching job. You're an idiot, and we're not sorry. And guess what? Joe, your predecessor, the next guy up, is fucking killing it. And guess what? He kicked your ass last night. 145 to 113. You had all your starters in. As did we, but you had all your starters in. You had everything at your disposal. And you couldn't do a goddamn thing. It was a, it was like watching the Harlem Globetrotters 
play against some scripted bad team. And it was amazing. JT threes were hitting. JB threes were hitting. Uh, Peyton Pritchard almost put up 20 points. KP was playing great ball. Old man Al doing his thing. I think he was plus minus 30, like plus 30 on his plus minus, which is nutso. Um, Sam Hauser played insane defense. His shooting was a little bit off, but he was, you know, locked down. Um, Drew had a bad shooting night, but still played solid on, you know, the defensive end of the court and was getting assists. Derek White is Derek White, and there is no notes. There's nothing to complain about. Puffing up every stat on his stat sheet um, continuously every night, day in and day out, hitting threes, getting those floater layups. You know, I think he had one or two steals. He was damn near close on like three blocks. I don't think he ended up getting any, but, you know, rolling. We were absolutely rolling. Uh, you lose a game against the Bucks, And even though, yeah, we packed it in, we knew we were going to lose it. Still sucks. You know, they're, they're the in-conference rivals. Um, when you lose a game like that, whether you kind of packed it in and, you know, gave up at halftime, whatever, uh, you still got a little bit of chip, a chip on your shoulder. You got a little bit of fire under your ass and, you know, come out the next game and prove that's not the team that you are. And what better game? What better game to do it? Uh, you know, move to 19-0 and 0 on the season in TD Garden, which um, the previous record was 18-0, and 0, which was this team. <laughs> so they're just continuing the record. 19-0 and 0 at home. Uh, just unheard of in the in, in a first half of basketball. Unheard of um, all around. I want to know what the best record at home is for a season. Best NBA home record ever. Let's see. Shares the last home record. List of NBA teams with single season win percentage. Yeah, no, Larry, Larry, what are we doing here? NBA best home record in the season. Here we go. Stat Muse. It's us. It is currently the, just based off a of win percentage, 2023-2024 uh, Celtics at 19-0. and 0. The second best team is the 40-1 and 1, uh, both Boston Celtics of 1985 and 1986 and Spurs of 2015-2016. 40 and 1 at home. All right, so that's the benchmark. That is the goal. <laughs> Interesting. So they lost one game. If we drop one, we're looking for that goal. I mean, I'd love to see it. It'd be really cool to protect the house like that. Um, it is not necessary as, you know, it's been said many, 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 many a times. We don't have to be the number one seed. It is great that we are. I'm loving it up here at the top. Um, but it is just a get into the playoffs kind of season. Like this team is too good, too stacked. Like I just want to make sure that we're healthy. And so far, so good. Uh, knock on wood. You know, we've been doing what we can do to uh, survive the season. Joe has been great at load management um, in the sense of KP and Al, you know, kind of swapping off on the back-to-backs. Um, we've been a little lucky with the injury bug, uh, not too much affecting us. Um, 
but yeah, it has been kind of back to the Rockets game. It is amazing to throw all that shit right in Ime's face. Um, I know he didn't have KP. I know he didn't have Drew, but like you had basically everyone else on this roster, bro. Look how good they are. Look how great they are doing without you. Like it is like one of those like vindication, like ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend moments where like you're like, look how good I am without you and look how shit you are without me. And I love it. I love it so much. I just, I couldn't take my eyes off of that smug fucking face of his all game. I kept checking in to just see how Ime was feeling. And he did not look like he was having a good time. Let's just be fair. Let's just be honest. He did not look like he was having fun. I uh, did not look like he was enjoying his return to Boston. Um, I do know the players talked to him. I'm sure they're all good. Um, you know, uh, but it's still funny as a fan, as, uh, you know, someone who kind of, you know, I'm not going to lie. I went to bat for Ime. I liked Ime. I enjoyed Ime while he was here. But once you, you know, screw over your boss or screw over the company you work for, you got to go. Um, and that's selfish. And that's when Ime lost me. Like, I, I didn't, once I heard what happened, and obviously we don't know exactly what happened, but once I heard the gist of what happened, like, fuck you dude you you threw it away we didn't do anything like nothing was done to you Ime. you just decided to put your dick where it didn't belong and not care about your players or your fans or the team or anything or anyone around you and you know i don't care that you're the rockets head coach i don't care that you're at 500 i don't care that you know you're not a playoff team i don't care but i am sick of hearing idiots on twitter and in the sports commentary realm talking about how the celtics would be better off if they had email we just proved yesterday that that's not the case we just proved yesterday that that's not the case joe out coached email period the end oh well, the celtics roster is better than the Rockets. i don't care i don't care it, it does not matter. It is a moot point at this at, at this age, at this day and age. Um, he may throw it all away, and I do not feel bad, and I and I have no remorse in talking shit about him because that's what he he made a personal decision. He picked getting some over being the coach of the Boston Celtics. That's what he did. And if you're going to still defend him or still, you know, go to bat for him, oh, he's a great coach. I don't care if he's a great coach. He's not a great person. He's not a good, you know, teammate. He's not a good Boston Celtic. He's not. He prioritized getting a nut over getting a ring. That's the fact that matter. So these EMA stands, these EMA defenders in Celtics Twitter, like, get the fuck over it, dude. No one misses him. Joe Missoula is winning basketball. Joe Missoula is undefeated at home. Joe Missoula is 30-9 and nine this season. Joe Missoula's record last year was better than Ime's record in his rookie year. What the fuck are we talking about? Why are we still talking about Ime? Because it's, it's clickbait, because it's fun to talk about, because it'll get you interactions. Shut the fuck up. We have Joe. We are winning basketball games. We are the best team in the league, let alone our conference, our division, our whatever. 
We are on a record-setting pace. No one needs Ime Adoka on the Celtics. That doesn't make us better. It just doesn't. Um, it's Missoula Ball that is winning these games. Joe's management and Joe's lineups and Joe's rotations and Joe's everything, decisions, plays, practices, everything, is the reason that the team is what it is right now. Yeah, the roster's stacked. That's great. Doesn't mean that every coach is going to be able to coach that. It just it doesn't. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Joe Mazzulla is the only coach for this team. Yeah, it's a super team, but that doesn't mean everyone can coach it. I promise you. You put, like, fucking Jason Kidd as a coach of this team. No. We're not going anywhere. Put Darvin Ham as a coach of this team. We're not going anywhere. You put Joe Mazzulla as a coach of this team. We're 30-9, and 19-0 at home. First in the East with five of our starters. And by five of our starters, I mean all of our starters in the All-Star game. That doesn't happen on accident. It just doesn't. So, Ime, uh, a parting words, since you didn't want to chat with me yesterday or, you know, look over while I hollered your name from Loge 6. Um, fuck you, dude. We don't miss you. We're not sad you're gone. We got Joe. Kick rocks. I'm done with this conversation. I'm done with Ime over Joe. I'm done with it because there's so much concrete evidence that we have the guy for the job. We don't need to look back. We don't need to reminisce. And holy fuck, we had Ime for one year. Y'all act like he was the coach for fucking 10 years, like a whole decade. He was a rookie coach. He had a hot season. And then he let that hot season get to his head. And he thought he was above the rules. And he threw it away. Why are you sympathizing with him? It doesn't make sense. You just sound dumb. Um, that's all I have to say on that. But looking forward to the future this week coming up. So I was wrong uh, last week. I said we were going to be three and one after these four games. We went two and two. That's fine. It's fine. One game blown by the refs. One game lost because everyone was dog tired from fighting a battle against the Wolves. That's fine. We're not going to win them all. I'd like to keep winning them all at home, but we're not going to win them all. And that's that's fine. Um, this week coming up, we have the Raptors on Monday. Dear God, that better be a W um, at Raptors. Uh, Spurs on Wednesday at home. Wemby gets to check out the TD Garden. Again, better be a win. Uh, and then Friday at home again. Now, this will be a test. So at this point, I'm projecting, because we played the Raptors away and the Spurs at home, I'm projecting that at this point of this game on Friday, we will be 20 and O at home after beating the Spurs. And then with the chance to go 21 and O at home or 20 and one at home, we play against the champion Denver Nuggets. That is going to be one hell of a game. Another possible finals matchup. Like, honestly, like the, the, some of the games that we played against these Western teams, uh, we played the Wolves. Both games felt like finals games. We played the Thunder. Felt like finals games. 
Uh, now we play the Nuggets. And I'm sure it's going to have that same tenacity, that same electricity to it. Um, I don't I, – I, it's at home, so I have to call it a W. I'm not rooting against this streak to end. Uh, call me a homer. Call me, you know, going with the low-hanging fruit. But I'm not, I'm not claiming that it's going to be an easy W at all. I mean, we do have the luck of having uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule this week, a uh, day off in between every game. Um, and being at home from probably Tuesday till Friday game. Um, but it's going to be a tough one. Jokic is Jokic. Um, and you can't account for that. Like we have KP, but KP is not Jokic. We have Al, but Al's not Jokic. It's going to be interesting to see how they defend him. Um, I think it'll be a close game. It'll probably be another overtime game, just knowing how we play against these uh, gritty Western teams, uh, these tough Western teams, these really good Western teams. But I think the boys can squeak one out. I think that this is going to be one of those ones where it's going to be a nail-biter, but they, at the end, edge it out. I could be wrong. Hell, we could lose to the fucking Raptors. I never know. I, I got sit in front of a mic and try and guess reasonably uh, what the record's going to be or what the upcoming record's going to be. But um, I'm pretty confident in saying we beat the Raptors and the Spurs, and then we have another game of the year on Friday at home in TD at that point to go 21 and 0 at home. Scary. Sure. Exciting. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, but that's all we have for this week. It's all the notes that I have. Um, it's all the information that Larry has fed me before, uh, this little recording. Uh, let's see. I had something on my screen that I had to flick away. Um, the Celtics are 30 and 9, 19 and 0 at home. Uh, CCC is rolling as usual with the hopes of having a new co host next week, which is exciting. Uh, I am Marty the Meat Man. We are cross court coverage and as fucking always, it is go Celtics. Fuck you, email. <clears throat> go Celtics or go fuck yourself. Peace.